Welcome to the Generation Voids podcast, The Retail Warzone. So tonight we are going to talk about different types of managers, different types of management style, um, how they can affect a building, and um, kind of go through the difference between a boss and a leader. Uh, I think it's an important thing for people to understand. And hey, look, we're not going to kid ourselves here. If we've been a manager, we we've all at one point in time haven't been the best manager, you know, especially if you started out young, you know, and, and you were in this whole, it's been my experience and most people that start out when they first get their, you know, their store or whatnot, they're kind of like, Ooh, ah, let's, uh, let's, let's just run them in the ground. You know, this is my ship and whatnot. And I think as you mature and you get older and work through the business that you become a better human and a better mentor towards your staffs and your opinion changes on how you deal with people. Um, and it's, it's fairly vital. I mean, you need it. So what we're going to do is the very first slide is know the traits. A boss drives employees. A leader coaches them. A boss depends on authority. A leader depends on goodwill. A boss inspires fear. A leader generates enthusiasm. A boss says I. A leader says we. A boss places blame for the breakdown. A leader fixes the breakdowns. A boss knows how it's done. A leader shows how it is done. A boss uses people. A leader develops people. A boss takes credit. A leader gives credit. A boss commands. A leader asks. And then I've got over on the right, eight bad leadership traits. Poor communication means they do not update their teams. They're a poor listener. They're difficult to reach. Their vision and targets are unclear. Uh, Self-centeredness. They're arrogant and egotistic. They lack emotional intelligence and empathy. They do not like authority questioned. They do not like it when others are successful. Lack of praise and feedback. Gives no or very little feedback. Does not praise others for achievements is more critical towards others, a little time for regular reviews. They're also uncommitted. They lack enthusiasm. They lack or lose focus easily. They're disengaged with the culture and organization. They lack self-reflection, which means they fail to learn from mistakes. They're very stubborn, and they do not challenge themselves. This is a big one here. Their lack of integrity. They use, they use fear and guilt to motivate. They blame others for their own mistakes. They fail to hold people to account, and they fail to keep their promises. 
And that lack of integrity is a direct um, indictment to the lack of trust, which, you know, fails to involve others in decisions, does not ask others for advice, micromanages, dictates instead of being empowering. And typically these people are also unsupportive. They're unavailable to others. They fail to provide adequate training. They do not facilitate growth and development of the team. So there's that Irish connection. What would you say about that? Um, I think that's very uh, accurate. I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Um, I would think that in general, a, a boss is probably a failed leader. Um, you know, because I think I started off as a boss. I, I, I'm more of a leader now. And I think the people that get stuck in, in, in with the bad traits that you, you would label as bosses are probably just people that, that didn't have leadership qualities in them. They were, they were either weren't able or weren't willing to learn them. Um, and we're all familiar with that type. Exactly. Alex, what you got? Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, I've definitely had bosses in my lifetime of retail, and I've definitely had true leaders. Our Alabama friend, great example of a leader. Yep. My previous boss, great example of boss. But to further uh, go on what you had to say, Connection, as you know, it's hard to, whenever I was getting into leadership, when I first became a supervisor, it's definitely hard because there are much less leaders out there than bosses, you know? So it's like hard to get into that because you learn everything that you know from bosses and you have to develop yourself into a leader from good people. That's correct. And, and, and Irish Connection hit the nail on the head. I think really and truly, most people, when they start out in management, you start out as a boss. You know, it's really no fault of anybody at that point in time. It's just kind of like the mindset and you think that's what you're supposed to do. But where, you know, like he said, some people aren't cut to be a leader and they, they don't mature into it. And, you know, everybody starts out as a boss, but your maturity is what takes you in to being a leader. And, you know, being a leader also, a, a lot of it comes from experience. You know, when you're a boss and if you start to develop leadership skills, you're able to self-reflect and realize the things you did wrong. And you're able to pass those lessons on to people that are under you throughout your career. I think lots of times district managers and above forget where they came from. Maybe something's not going on in the store like they want. And the message they're giving the store managers is to be a boss to be stern and to rule by fear, you know, everything that the company will preach to you as far as leadership goes, your district manager will look you straight in the face and say, don't, don't, don't worry about that. You, 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 you do what I tell you to do. We want you to like, you know, hellfire and brimstone your staff to, um, to get them to perform. So there's a huge disconnect and, that, and that's why there's such a disconnect between like human resources and like managers in the field and district managers and RVPs because the human resource side, they're all for the go team, rah, 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 leadership thing. And the RVPs and DMs don't want nothing to do with that shit. 
They'll, they'll only go on that if they feel like they're going to get in trouble for something a store manager did. But half the time, they're the ones that's, you know, forcing that behavior. Um, what would your experience on that be, Connection? Have you experienced similar? Yeah, actually, I, I, I've seen and worked for companies where they actually, um, it was nearly their business model to uh, employ exclusively bosses because these would be places with uh, high staff turnover uh, where basically what they do to both staff and managers would be to burn them out. Uh, so they, you know, you, you get them in when they're young uh, and you work them, you know, uh, overtime. Uh, they don't get to see their family or enjoy any quality of life. And two or three years later, they're gone. They're burnt out and they're gone. But that works for the company sometimes because they, uh, they just replace people very quickly. So bosses in that environment uh, are nearly encouraged. And uh, it's a very toxic environment and an unhealthy environment to be in. Um, and it, it's uh, it's something that I hope changes in in the kind of retail culture over time. Uh, and I think it is actually in general. There's a slow movement away from uh, being henpecked and uh, and abused and belittled uh, on a daily basis uh, with a view to increase productivity. Wow, that must be great over there because here in the states, it's still just beat the shit out of them. To be honest with you, <laughs> so. Uh, going into the next little thing here, I found this today and I thought this would be interesting. And if anybody saw what I posted on Facebook, what does an Irishman and the Lion King have in common? <laughs> You're about to find out. So the Lion King um, holds a special place in my heart. I just found this fitting when I saw it. So be prepared. This is going to be this is going to be an interesting one. Here we go. Hakuna Matata, bitches. Seven Types of Managers in The Lion King. The Lion King is a film about leadership. While the Pride Lands may be known for its abundance of wildlife, it also has its fair share of leaders, each with their own distinctive style. Commanding the savannah is one thing, but how would these characters operate in a modern-day workplace as managers? We chose seven leaders from The Lion King to examine further. The, oh yeah, the source is uh, Vengage.com. Um, like I said, I don't know how this flew on my radar. I just happened to find it, and I thought it was cute, and I thought it was appropriate. So we shall continue. Mufasa. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Mufasa was known as the transparent traditionalist. His traits were dutiful, decisive, straight shooter, confident, old school, effective, leads by example. His pros were respects and values all his team members, regardless of their seniority. Provides constructive feedback. Holds himself and his team members to high standards. Effectively manages company resources. His negatives. Fails to address toxic or disengaged employees would likely be reluctant to adopt more modern workplace perks such as flex hours or casual dress codes. See, I told you this would be interesting. Next, Simba. I know what I have to do. Simba is the visionary leader. Traits, innovative, open-minded, inclusive, energetic, transformational, Self-reflective. 
The positives. A passionate leader who inspires devotion from his team members. Is committed to professional growth. Not afraid to listen to new ideas and try new things. His negatives. Has previously displayed defeatist tendencies. And sometimes dwells on past mistakes instead of learning from them and moving on. Okay. Next. Rafiki. Everybody is somebody. Traits. Forward thinking. Unconventional. Creative. Supportive. Accessible. Democratic. The pros to Rafiki were. Views failure as a learning opportunity. Motivates his team members to continually learn, grow, and excel. Has an open door policy. Never too busy to mentor a team member. His negative, unconventional teaching methods may clash with more corporate office cultures. Now, let's be honest. How many of you, as I'm going through these, as we got to Rafiki, thought about Rafiki hitting Simba with his staff, saying it's all in the past? I did. (laughs) Next. Yeah. Scar. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? The ineffective autocrat. Traits. Toxic. Biased. Short-sighted. Adversarial. Disgruntled. Hands-off. The pros to be in Scar. Ambitious and resilient. The cons. Discriminates against those who are different from him. Views employees as dispensable. Causes morale and productivity to plummet due to his abysmal leadership skills. Next. We've all had a scar before. Sarabi. (laughs) If you were half the king Mufasa was, Sarabi is the employee advocate. Traits. Outspoken. Empathetic. Data-driven. Pros. Not afraid to stand up for her employees, even at great personal risk. Cool, calm, and collected in the face of adversity. Cons. Lacking office diplomacy skills. Next. Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Traits. Detail-oriented, hardworking, loyal, insecure, and bureaucratic. Pros. Is wholly committed to his organization and teammates. His attention to detail ensures that tasks are completed on time. Cons. Insecure in his own leadership abilities. Micromanaging tendencies. Yeah. And then my favorite one. Are you aching for some bacon? Yup, yup, yup. Pumbaa. The strategic silo buster. (laughs) Maybe he'll be on our side. Traits. Optimistic, devoted, collaborative, team player. Pros, eagerness to work with people from other departments. Positive can-do attitude, which motivates him around, motivates everyone around him. Loyal to his team. Cons, too much fun, likely to struggle as a disciplinarian. And there you go. On the Pumbaa boss. Those, to me, are some of the worst kind. Because, yeah, they may be fun to work for. 
But when you literally just have to struggle as a hard worker and your boss just doesn't ever bother to try to rectify any of it, that's when it gets tough. I, I think the saddest if that makes I think sense. the saddest part is that the amount of scars we've all had to deal with. Yeah. Absolutely. So so Mr. Connection, what was your take on the Lion King? <laughs> What you just talked about or the movie? What? Well, we could do either. Uh, you know, I love the movie. Uh, no, what we just talked about. All right. Um, that's an interesting analogy. I, I, I like it um, uh, because it is, it is, I suppose, a story about uh, various different types of leadership. Uh, uh, and I think it's pretty accurate. I think the characters match up with the traits pretty well that they uh, described. It's difficult to hear your, I think I'm sure everyone was trying to pick one out to which one you most identify with. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I have my own ideas. I wonder what my employees think. Well, <laughs> but, I, I think uh, for some of us that have been in it a very long time, I think we encompass a lot of those qualities from different ones. Yeah. I, I'll tell you right now, Alex, I think you'll agree. I had a whole hell of a lot of Pumbaa in me, didn't I? I mean, sort of. But at the same time, you weren't afraid to hold people accountable. No, like that's that's the difference. And like, because working for you was nice, whereas I've had to work for a straight up Pumbaa before that was just a goofball. Like, great guy, but at the same time, like it just made my job so much worse because everybody else could just get away with anything, but I couldn't. Like, yeah, I was the only one being held accountable. What I learned from the Lion King thing, to be honest with you, is. The ultimate manager would be the one that can channel most all the positives from all the characters. Because there's a lot of things in each of these characters that, that I did. And I, I'll be honest with you. I really couldn't. I, I could not myself go through and like say, okay, I'm that one. I could be like, all right, well, I've got part of that and I do part of that. And I'm kind of a clown, so I've got part of that. And, you know, you know, when I was, quote, unquote, in my prime, when I wasn't so completely burnt that I didn't care. And, uh, you know, I think that it's hard to, it's hard to, like, classify somebody who, who's got all the good qualities, whereas it's really, really easy to classify the scars and the negative Nancys and whatnot. I mean, and that's the sad part is, you know, one thing I want to talk about as we go through and we'll get both of your guys, um, you know, take on this is management and leadership accountability. Like when you've got managers, you know, key carriers, supervisors, it doesn't matter if you're in a position of authority where you're bossing people around and, and just you're not asking them if they can do something, you're telling them to do it. You know, let's say you know, somebody scheduled off instead of asking, Hey, are you able to work such and such a day? You just schedule them and tell them they're going to be there, you know, but that person, and I, I think we all could agree that we've all worked with managers that have been do as I say, not as I do. And I think we're starting to see with the labor issue, that companies have let that get out of hand in a lot of locations and they've let managers run wild and rule, rule by fear and whatnot. And that's part of the problem why people aren't being able to hire anybody right now. They've been burned so much by that personality type 
because there's far more of them than there should be. And there, there's, there's no management accountability. Like, you know, I can vouch for the fuck today. I mean, that gal works hard. She a little, can she be a little rough? Yeah. But she will reward you for doing a good job. And she will be loyal to you, you know, if, if you do the things you need to do. Whereas some people would see her not that way because they refuse to self-reflect and realize they're just being fuck-ups and they're, and, and they're not wanting to participate. So I'm going to start with you, Alex. I want you to give us an example of a scar. I thought I told you to I knew that, fully have these. I knew that was coming. All right, go ahead. But t- fully have these pilots broken down. But here's a, hold up. B- b- you can do all that. That's great. But I want you to explain why this person was a scar. It's actually not who you think it is, Steve. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this person was a scar because not only were they stealing, not only were they literally committing a crime behind everyone's back, you got blamed. You got ruled by fear. You got told that you better have this done by X o'clock or else. You got told all that. You never got an example because when I asked said person for an example, like, because I, I like cried the said person. I was like, I was like, this is too much for me. I'm being a leader for the first time in my entire life. I just kind of got thrown into this job. It's when I was supervisor. As I asked said person, I was like, you know, how, how do I lead these people? Because, you know, I can't get them to move faster to save my life. And, you know, on top of that, we got a truck to unload, stock it. We got to do set up everything. We got to work what first shift just left behind, you know, because all oh, they'll do it. They've got nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, I think a really good point that you make there is the amount of people who get thrown into a leadership role with no experience mm-hmm. doing it. And the people that are throwing into it have no desire to train you. They've got an opening to fill. They're paying you a little bit extra money, dangling the carrot to make you take the position. And, and there again, that's poor leadership on their part. And see, here's the catch, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That original person was like, I'm a visionary and, you know, I can see that you would be great for that position. And I'm like, you know, why not? I'll try it. And, you know, I got offered the terms of four days a week, uh, 10 hour shifts, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I said, yes, I do, I accept this job, that turned into, I never said four days. I never said four tens. I said five, eight. You got to be here five days. And I'm like, okay, Uh, whatever whatever. And I never even got my pay, neither. Because they was just making me do it, you know, without my pay. Right. Uh, that got rectified by a certain friend of ours. Oh, Thank God. That's it should. Yep. But when I would ask said person, or just what do I do? Like, how do I lead these people? I never got any kind of an example, and I just got threatened that, you know, you just better be better. You just better do this. And, wow. Yeah. You know, that's kind of when I threw in the towel. I don't blame you on that job. I don't blame you at all. What about you, connection? Uh, an example of a scar. Yes. Is it? 
Yeah. Um, there, look, there, there, I've come across a, a, a lot of scars. Uh, t- typically, though, they're they're actually not at the top of the food chain. Uh, at least in my experience, uh, if you're working in, a, especially in a larger retailer, and there's multiple managers there, departmental managers, maybe usually the scar is is the kind of ambitious one that wants to be the you know the the, the big boss or get that big promotion, and they, they they're the loudest ones in the room because they want the, you know the attention on them to show that you know that they they have. Uh, you know, they've got more bravado than any of the other managers or that, that they can get, they can push staff further than any of the managers. Now, sometimes that does work, unfortunately, and uh, the scars do end up in higher positions, which is quite toxic. Um, but, you know, I have had, uh, I worked with one that uh, you would say that they were a boss, uh, definitely not a leader. But what the, did you ever hear the phrase, uh, empty vessels make the loudest noise? Yes. Okay, well, it's essentially that they would quite literally, uh, their their voice would be two or three octanes higher than anyone else in the room at all times. Uh, you know, they would constantly be moving stock around the floor that didn't need to be moved around just to be seen to be doing something. Always busy, always pushing staff, always people keeping people behind and, uh, and henpecking uh, staff on a regular basis. And the whole place was just toxic. It, everyone hated working there. And as soon as that manager uh, got that promotion that they uh, wanted, they left the store and everything went back to an almost uh, a calm. You know, it, it, it there was order restored and, and people were happier and the store did better. That's the weird thing is that for, for retail, we often focus on the bottom line. I don't know why they don't chase the bottom line more and, you know, kind of tie it up to the scars of the world because I don't think scars make you know, the most money in, in at least in retail. No, they do not. They, they make the most mess and most chaos. Um, mm. You know, I am fairly fortunate that I have not worked for a lot of scars in my career. And, you know, looking back at that, you know, yeah, it, it, it's, that's amazing to me that I didn't have to deal with a lot of it. And, you know, being in management for so long, you know, all my scars, you know, we're district managers or regional VPs, you know, um, I mm. will say that the last big box job I had, the district manager I had, the first one was not necessarily as much of a scar, a hundred percent. Because on the surface, dude was, you know, a nice guy. But he definitely was a throw somebody under the bus for his own insufficiencies kind of person. Alex, when we were working at Felmart, that lady, she was a scar. Yeah, But the one thing that I have found about scars is that when you reach a certain age and you've worked in the business long enough that it's kind of broken you in a way, that you'll find yourself much more likely to go toe to toe with a scar than let the scar tell you what to do. You know, in speaking with Alex about Felmart, that individual there, I think was a scar, but didn't realize that she was. And everybody was so scared of her. No one ever made any kind of motion or, hubbub 
to kind of put her in her place to knock her out of it. And, you know, takes a revolution to overthrow the dictator. Yeah, and, and then here I come and, and, you know, I put up with it. I'm like, yeah, this is, this lady's a bitch and da, 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 da. And then finally one day I just snapped. I'm like, you're not going to talk to me like that anymore. And, and just went off on this woman. I mean, like completely just exploded. And <laughs> all of a sudden she changed. And it's because nobody ever gave her that kind of pushback ever before. And I think there's a lot of scars out there that if the right person got a hold of them, they could be saved because no one's no, yeah. no one has the balls to like, you know, kick them in the stomach and say, Hey, look, you're an asshole. Let's fix this. They've gotten away with it. Well, so I, mean, long. I will, I will say Steve that that specific person we're talking about, honestly, she wasn't the worst boss I've ever had. Mm. Like she's rough. But I mean, can, like, she wasn't like the worst. You could be a scar, but, but it doesn't mean you're going to be the worst. You could still be a scar. Because I mean, she did have her redeeming moments, like, ish. Mm, but that's you know, debatable. I, it is debatable. But I mean, in comparison to some things I've seen, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the Lion King thing was just like you know conjecture to get us talking or whatnot. Now I want to get into the nitty gritty, ugly shit. All right, so. Oh, we ain't even gotten to the bad stuff. No, we yet. haven't. We're we're going we're going there right now. All right. So what what I want to do here is I'm going to go through some things I hate, and then I'm going to pass it to Connection and let him go through different things that managers have done that or said that he hates, and then the same thing for Alex. I guess you would call it our pet peeves. They have no idea that this was what was going to happen. So I'm just kind of throwing everybody under the bus here. So. Pet peeves for me. All right. Been doing this a long time. You know, when you're a store manager, if you're in, it depends on what kind of chain you're in, you could be in a chain where you've got 13 or 14 stores, you know, within 30 minutes of you, you know, in your district or whatnot. Things that drive me fucking bonkers with managers, supervisors, key carriers, whatever. Number one, lack of accountability and throwing people under the bus. I cannot stand that. There are so many managers that are over departments. They're over, they might be a shift supervisor. They may be a store manager that never once will take any accountability for their lack of leadership skills or a lack of supervision because something, you know, a big boss comes in or whatnot. Oh, well, you know, this end cap looks like shit. Well, I told Sally to do that. Oh, my God, that shit pisses me off so bad because guess what? If you're the manager over that department or you're the manager over that store, your name is attached to that shit. No wonder nobody wants to work for you. You know, you could have told somebody that had never built an end cap ever before, hey, go build this end cap. You never went back and looked. They've never done it before. It could look like a Jenga tower that fell over. You know, <laughs> and you never looked. You never followed up. That person who built that end cap all of a sudden thinks that's the standard. Your boss comes in and blows you out because the end cap looks like a Jenga stack that's been knocked over. And you're like, I told her to do the end cap, but you never showed her how to Steve, do the I'm, fucking end cap. 
So that kind of shit. I hate that. I hate that. I think it's it's a poor showing when you're a manager and your bosses come in and they pick out things that are wrong that you say, well, I told so-and-so to do this. I guess they didn't. I told so-and-so to do it. And we've discussed this before. If whoever's walking with you doesn't kind of log in their head that, oh, they're this kind of manager, then they suck too because that should be a big red flag. You know, it should be, okay, I'll get with my team. We'll get it fixed. I'm sorry. Or there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? I missed that. I didn't go check it. Most DMs, if they're decent, will be cool with that. They'll be like, okay, you know, just make sure it doesn't happen again. Different phrases that I've heard from managers over the years. And this one I have heard my entire career. From when I worked in the grocery business at 18 years old, all the way up until my last job. I swear to God, if I had a dollar... For every time some lazy, non-want-to-be-accountable fucker said, I served my time, I could have retired 10 years ago. That statement is the most arrogant, misinformed thing anybody could say. And if anything, it's an indictment to the fact that you have no idea or no desire to be a leader because you look at it as like prison, like time served. You know, it's like I've served X amount of years. I don't have to do that shit anymore. But by God, you'll take all the credit for everybody else's fucking work. Just God, I hate that. Absolutely hate it. And I've heard it my entire career. I mean, just about everywhere I've worked, ever, I've heard somebody make that statement. And it's like, Man, y'all suck. Nobody, and, and these same people will complain. Well, I can't hire anybody. Or this so-and-so, they quit on me. Or so-and-so, they went and reported me to corporate. Because you're an asshole. <laughs> That's why. And, and, and it's lost on them. They don't get it. They, they're just like, they're clueless. Like if you went to them and broke it down, like if you had slides like we have here for the Lion King and you gave them visual aids as to why every bit of that statement is wrong, they'd look at you like a deer in the headlights and still think like, I didn't do anything wrong because they don't know. Just irritating. The other one. I had to hear that yeah, one. The other one. Bouncing between managers to get the result that you want. You go to one supervisor. They say, no, you do it like the store manager says. You go to the next supervisor. They say, do it like store manager says. Finally, you come across some supervisor says, oh, do it however you want to do it. And you take the easy way out. Hate that shit too. Managers that feel like they're better than everybody. You know, the amount of managers I've worked for that act like that they were God, that you could run, that all of us could run circles around no matter what. Because you never saw them do any work except you know, doing curls with our coffee cup. <clears throat> the amount of managers walking around with coffee, God bless it. Mm. So, those are some things I hate. Connection, your turn. Pet peeves. Okay, well, you 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 covered quite a few right there. I know. Um, now, uh, one one pet peeve I suppose I would have would be observation skills. Uh, because I, I, I have met lots of managers that sort of um, develop like tunnel vision that they, you know, they, they, they might focus in on 
merchandising or they focus in on, on facing things off, whatever case. But there could be a small fire in the corner of the shop and they wouldn't notice. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, um, that sometimes, uh, because, you know, I sort of take try and take a step back and look at a big picture, uh, you know, uh, as much as possible. And you'd be you'd be surprised the, the amount of uh, managers and supervisors and key holders that um, uh, I have come across that just lack the most basic observation skills, you know, so, such as making sure, like quite literally, sometimes that you've opened all the doors, you know. That, you know, you, you know, uh, or like because they're 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 so focused on on doing uh, or one or two particular jobs, like you know, they might face off a particular aisle, but you know they forgot to put the trash out, you know, and now it's piling or that type of thing. But that being being unable to kind of take a deep breath and a step back and look at the bigger picture can is is quite uh, uh, is quite annoying um and i suppose uh, another pet peeve uh, i think we touched on this before in a previous uh, episode would be the managers that would kind of they bark but they never bite when it comes to their superiors so be it a, a dm regional whoever that they're you know they're always bitching and moaning oh i would have said this i would have said that and uh, oh, if he comes down here i'll tell him and then they don't do it and that is a pet peeve because uh, of mine because it, it happens so often. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people sometimes vent and they let off some steam and that can be healthy. But I, you know, I generally speaking do stand up to. Now, by the way, that has not always worked out in my favor. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but in yep, general, that's how that works. Uh, in, in general, I do stand up to 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 my superiors uh, um, and uh, be, when necessary and uh, at least then. Um, I, you know, it shows I had to, I, you know, put my money where my mouth was, kind of thing. But the amount of managers that they—it's just annoying. It's a pet peeve. I know they don't really mean it, but when they piss and moan for weeks about what the next time that he comes down here in a store visit, I'm gonna da, 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 and then they do exactly. They come in and they roll out the red carpet and they kiss ass and they don't do anything that they said they would do. And as soon as that DM or regional or whoever it is leaves. That's where they get back on. Oh well, you know, ah, you know, it's a peppy. It's annoying. It's not productive, and it also makes me look like an asshole when I do actually stand <laughs> up to them. Um, uh, so that, that's that, that. That would be one or two pet peeves of mine. But you covered quite a lot. Steve. Thanks. I, I don't know if there's that. Oh, but I have more. I'm waiting for Alex to get done. Oh, <laughs> all right, Alex, your turn. Oh boy, one of my pet peeves is uh, this exactly, Steve. How many times have you heard this? Let's hear it. A manager ask you as an associate, uh, how is it exactly I do this? Oh, bravo. Yeah, good, good one. Good, good one. one. What do you mean? Well, I came from the corporate office, and this is not how it says in the handbook. I never saw how to do a delivery. That. And I'm like, are you joking me right you now? Have, so you mean to tell you me? You may have won the stream, Alex. Continue. You mean to tell me that me just an hourly peon? I, I I don't that I know how to do more than you do already. And just to reiterate on your point, Steve, I have heard with my own two ears a store manager of mine. I told such and so to check this aisle on while on a corporate mm-hmm. walk. 
I told so and so to check this aisle and it wasn't done. Yep. What do you mean it wasn't done? You're the fucking store manager. Mm-hmm. Walk your fat ass up there and check it your damn self. Hold said person accountable. Instead of just being like, you just sell their soul to the devil, essentially. Just just throw them under the bus. Yep. You know, fuck them. But at the same time, you don't have the balls to hold someone accountable. Hold them accountable. Hey, you know, you was asked to do this in cap and you did not. What's the problem? Did you not have the resources? Did you not know how? Is it on me or is it on you? You know what I'm saying, Steve? Yep. Oh. That's what I hate. I hate leadership that don't hold other people accountable. Cool. And I hate being held accountable for literally no fucking reason. Because I, I'm i like, I asked for help. I did not have the resources to finish my job. I begged for help. I asked for 12 hours and I just get told, I'll get back to you. And then, you know, they run off and have the coffee in their hand, like you said. Yeah. Well, here's one for you. I was working at a bargain store. All right. And this is another thing that really pisses me off because the amount of hours I've worked in time in, in my time at retail that the hours that I wasn't scheduled that I still worked. So I'm working one night and I get a phone call. Hey, Steve, do you have anybody you can send me? I'm like, no, I really don't. I mean, I might call somebody. Why? Well, if I at, at five o'clock our so our closing cashier called out and my manager I told my manager because she was leaving and she said I need to find somebody because she wouldn't stay with me to help close the store because she's worked all day and she just left. That's that's happened. So you've got somebody in the store by themselves. They went to their store manager and said, Hey, look, so-and-so just called. They're not going to be able to call, come in. I've tried calling everybody. Nobody can come in. I, I think it's unsafe that I have to work by myself. Can you stay? And the manager says, no, I've already worked my eight hours today. I'm going home. I don't care yeah. who you are. I don't care what your position is. If there is a manager out there watching this, and you're the kind of person who will leave and not cover the shift. You don't deserve to be a manager. If you never close ever, you should never complain about anybody who doesn't want to because you obviously do not lead by example because you've obviously served your time and you're not going to do anything that you just fucking don't want to do. And that shit pisses me off. Because guess what, ladies and gents, if you're one of those people, you don't deserve the money you make. You don't deserve the keys that you have. You don't deserve the title that you have. Because if you have decided that I'm a manager, I've served my time, I'm going to work exactly what I want to, and the rest of my team can fucking sink if somebody bails out, you are a piece of golden shit. And if there's anybody watching this who does that that has enough balls to confront me on that let fucking go cause you will get eaten the fuck alive by this crowd 
Connection and Alex, how many nights have you worked somewhere that you were woefully short-staffed because the manager bailed and decided they weren't going to help? A lot. Um, countless, yeah. I, and, and, you know, I've done it. Um, you have. You know. You have. You have stayed. You have stayed. Because you that's what you helped. sign up for. Look, the money's not glamorous. None of us are going to buy mansions and shit, but you get a premium for being a manager. Guess what, toots? It sucks sometimes. Do not bark at your employees. Do not. See, here's the thing. Any manager that does that has zero, zero authority to bitch about an employee one, regardless what they do, because they don't care enough about their own business to pull up a slack when they need to. Why the hell should anybody respect them and do the same? And people wonder why, oh, I don't want to work for this person. Alex, when we were at Failmart, we had people that worked in departments. I'm not going to mention any names, but they hated the department manager. Absolutely hated and came to us. Hey, I want to go work at a different department. And it wasn't just one. All of a sudden, you're like, well, shit, I can't transfer anybody because there won't be anybody in the department but the department manager. The department manager never wants to fucking work when they're supposed to. And people wonder, Mm -hmm. oh, why does that person not want to work for me? Because you're an asshole and you don't lead by example. You know, I've had managers be like, oh, I got to leave, man. I'm sorry. I can't close. I know you're shorthanded, but I got to go to get a new battery, put in my car, or I'm taking my boat out and my boat's getting waxed or whatnot, or, oh, I got to get my eye, my eyelashes did, or, oh, I've got a hair thing that's going on. Dude, every excuse in the book to be a shitty fucking manager. That's all that is. I don't care if you're getting your engine changed. I don't care if you're getting new tires. I don't care if you're getting new hair. I don't care if you're getting a weave. I don't care if you're getting contacts. If you're making excuses as to why you can't help out your staff, you're a piece of shit. Connection. It's gone. You go ahead. Find something that's pissed you off and go off. The floor is yours, sir. Well, I just want to make an observation there, just on, on what you were saying. Um, I, I, I've, I too have worked with uh, many a manager that y- you would expect them to pick up the slack uh, when things are tight and they don't. Um, now, you, I think that you know you, you probably care about uh, as much about retail as that manager that would go home early. I think the difference is you care about the team and you you're, you're uh, you know. Your personality is more, uh, you know, kind of uh, team friendly and kind of you know, personable, and and those people are just probably just assholes in general. Yes, um, you, you know, that's the, it's the most important thing for me is, is the team. And I know I've also worked in places where the where especially when you go in and the, the kind of team is already there, you know, there, there might not even be a team. It could be a very toxic environment, and that's really difficult. Uh, and and it, it's almost impossible sometimes. Uh, but I suppose. Um, one or two things that have pissed me off. Uh, I have accidentally uh, in in the past become a bit of a fixer. So uh, I was more flexible in where I would go and what I would do than a lot of managers. So corporate would uh, send me to locations that were not doing so well on a short-term basis to basically try and turn the place around while they hired a competent manager to yeah, stay there on a permanent basis. And I suppose what pissed me off is you never get the full story from corporate. You never get the mm-hmm. the level of shit show that you're about <laughs> to walk into. 
you get what you get told is, uh, oh yeah, the your manager there didn't work out, or or super, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and we just go in and just keep an eye on the place, you know, just just keep it tipping over. And you go in there, and it's a mess. I, I mean, I remember one place I went into the spare keys to the safe were locked in the safe. Okay, that's how bad this place. Wow. Is. Okay, so in the event that you lost the keys to the safe you had to get an angle grinder and about two weeks to get into the damn thing, you know? And then what, what had happened, I remember on loads of different occasions, it, it, the places were so toxic to, 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 to begin with when you walked in, first of all, everyone hated you because you were corporate's representative. You had no relationship. Let, let me ask you something real quick. Um, it's a real yes, short. Sir. How many times was it pitched to you as it's a great opportunity? Oh, <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Okay. Listen, I I feel I feel like it's I, I I really do feel like this is retail A when I hear that shit. <laughs> I was that idiot. All right. I swallowed that when I was young, uh, younger and dumber than I am now. And uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity. And and, and it, do you know what? Even then, I should have had the wherewithal to go an opportunity for what to do more shit like this. You know, to 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 get known as the guy that will like you know drive for two three hours to. Uh, fucking store uh you know to to keep an eye on it you know and then turn things around and most of the time you went there and it was just the most basic stuff like everyone was disgruntled nobody liked working with anyone else and even things like they hadn't replaced the, the you know the lights that were blinking in the corner <laughs> or off for the last six months it was some of the mo- you, you know these places used to always be there was never anything terribly complex it was some of the basic stuff like you know guys maybe don't put the spare keys to the safe in the safe you know, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Hoover the place more than once a week. You know, you know, it was always the most basic stuff. And then, then anyway, things would turn around and you get the you, you, you start getting the, um, the positive results in, in terms of turnover and customer feedback. And even sometimes team, the teams are always the most difficult because they just they were always against you from the beginning. Because, like I said, you're a corporate rep and. You know, and then corporate goes, great, that's fantastic. Uh, um, you know, we have another idea. We have another opportunity, you know. And, you know, it took me way, way longer than it should have to realize what a little corporate prostitute I had become. <laughs> and and all I was doing was going around cleaning up other people's messes, like managers that had just gotten so disgruntled in their work that they couldn't fix a, a light bulb, quite literally. And, uh, you know, and there's, you know, there's a lot of that in retail, but, you know, that was um, something that really, I, you know what, it didn't anger me initially, but looking back on that is the thing that pissed me off the most because it took me away from my, you know, my, my personal time and, my, you know, time with the family the most, you know, I was on, I was on the road mm-hmm. six days a week. And so, sometimes I was staying overnight, you know, for, for weeks on end, you know, uh, for, you know, under the guise of it's a great opportunity when the reality was that the store was just let go to shit. Because of you know a, a story that I probably never I never really got the full story I don't know what was going on there you know but that's those are the things looking back on it that I regret the most why the hell did I do that yeah <laughs> you, know? you know when when I worked for um, Jesus's Craft Store well I'll, I'll just say it because I'm not saying anything negative um, I worked for Hobby Lobby and that part <laughs> of my career like before that. And a little after I kind of got that same reputation as like a fixer, you know, mm. I took over the district manager store, which was a shit show. 
and fixed it. And, and, and still to this day, I still believe that that one building I worked in that I had assembled the best staff I've ever had in my career. No offense to anybody I've worked for that I've worked with. Okay. That store was just, that was magic. Okay. What we did there was ridiculous. Okay. But then it became, well, Hey, why don't you go to such and such store? Um, like hero just posted in the chat and I went with her on these things. Okay. You know, she would go to different stores and, and fix things for our district manager. And I would go with on like store sets and things like that. And then I was pitched an opportunity to go work at a store that I originally started at. That was in a really bad part of town. That was like, Hey, it's a great opportunity. We can do so much stuff. And what, and actually we did. I got there and it took a little bit, but we turned it around and it was great. And then we changed DMs or whatnot. But you buy into this whole, hey, I did such a good job where I was at because of the situation with me, we had the store that I was at was perfect. I moved to a different store. Another manager took over the store that I was at. I drove by that store to go home. And I would go into that store and see the people that I hired, you know, tell me how bad it is. And the store starts to fall apart and like shit. And you're like, man, I, I just, I, I shouldn't have done it, man. I shouldn't have bought into this whole, you fixed everything kind of crap. I mean, and, and I agree with you because it took, a, when I worked for Hobby Lobby, that was where I worked the most hours ever. I mean, I, there, there were a couple of weeks where I'd had 90 hour weeks, you know, it was insane. And I didn't get anything out of it, but, you know, gray hair and bad knees and aggravation. But, yeah, the, the whole fixer thing, man, it will F you up. Uh, Hero says, I visited every single store in that district at one point, but was never parked at my very. Yeah, she was. I actually got her to move to Georgia. She originally started with me in a store working in a floral department. And all of a sudden, because she is just awesome. She's one of the best merchandisers you'll ever see. She's fucking fast as hell. All of a sudden, they're like, we're going to take her and we're going to put her on the road. And she'd come with these stories of shit in other stores. And you're like, oh, my God. It was crazy. So, um, yeah, like if I could just jump. Go ahead. No, go right ahead, sir. Uh, if I could just jump in there, you brought up a very good point about, uh, you know, the, the the great opportunity thing. I mean, like, I, I think the, the corporations use that as almost like a currency in the same way as parents do Santa Claus. Yes. I don't. Perfect. I don't know why it took so long for me to kind of, uh, like, I, I didn't, I didn't have an epiphany moment. It just sort of gradually came on over time. What the hell am I doing? And, uh, you know, but here's here's my curiosity. It works. It shouldn't it should work. work it's it a does. stupid idea. It, but it does work because it, typically they give it to people who, who are enthusiastic and, and, and young, um, typically. And, you know, they, a lot of the time they do buy into it. I did. And I can't explain, looking back at it, there, there was nothing stopping me drawing the conclusion I have now then going, no, that's a stupid idea. Why would I do that? But, you know, this great opportunity to do what? They never explain it. They never elaborate beyond uh, the great opportunity. No, you know, they, they don't. Just, 
you know, it's a great opportunity to be what, you know, a gopher. Yeah. Basically <laughs> you're, you're missed. You become Mr. Yeah. Fix it. You become the problem solver. Yeah. This individual was told, Hey, we've got this opportunity at this store. She's like, okay. And she goes and her and I start to get close and she starts sending me pictures of this stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this, what the fuck? So this lady worked her ass off, uncovered all sorts of crazy shit that was going on in the store, wanted to fix it. It was never an issue of being lazy or not wanting to do the job. But the person that was supposed to be her supporter, which was the district manager, when she would pose these things to him, did nothing for her. His whole goal was to sweep stuff under the rug so it didn't get to his boss, which was Peter Griffin. Because of it, she got blackballed. He he threw her under the bus. He threw me under the bus. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, I pretty much gave it like a minute ago about the saying that you've seen. I, I, told, I told X and so to do Y to end cap and just completely just throwing people under the bus like that. And you just don't take any accountability. Like that's that's really my biggest problem with a manager, to be completely honest. And just being like Steve said, I've served my time. That's very, very, very annoying. When you get told, I'm the manager. <laughs> I'm not the one who does the work. You are. You're the hourly. Like that's that to me is just unacceptable. I, I I think that's actually in a, a fair few industry. Like if you, uh, you know, that would be in construction as well. For example, like you know, if you if you start off young construction, you're the guy that drags heavy shit all over the place, and uh, you know he, you don't often see the kind of more senior people. It, it's in other industries as well, but I think in retail, there's um, uh, it's particular. It comes with a a smugness uh, from from. Um, managers uh, that have been there and ha- have that attitude of uh, like, you know, when, when you've done it for as long as I have, you know, you'll uh, kind of think, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's annoying and it's a, uh, they definitely take advantage of, um, of people who are willing um, to do work uh, more. Cause but. I, as the worker, I don't expect my boss or my manager or my leader. I don't expect them to get out and do my job. What I signed up to do. You know, I don't expect that, but I also don't expect to just be thrown to the wolves. Just you know, with zero help, and you're just standing there. No, like that's totally inappropriate. And to be told like you're the worker, I'm the manager, you're the hourly. Yeah, like that's yeah, and see that that, that whole thing sucks, man. I mean, it, it it's the, that. There are a lot of people who let titles and and pay go to their head, and it they think they're special, and they're really not. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know what my my future holds, but God forbid I have to work for somebody that's stupid, because my give a fuck meter is broken, <laughs> and I will call people out left and fucking right, and be able to like you know actually back it up, you know, with actual fact, and I guess. You know, a large part of what we do here is, is you know, we talk about how employees get shit on. And I think that managers and supervisors have, I mean, look, it's a hard job. All right. I mean, it's not working in any kind of retail whatsoever is not easy, no matter what anybody says. But I think managers and supervisors have an obligation, especially when finding good help is hard right now, to build their teams up 
and do a little more to make them want to work for you. It, it kills me. There's still people out there right now complaining. Well, nobody wants to work for me or everybody comes to work in this department. Then they want to leave. And, uh, and look, you're only going to make it easier on yourself by changing your ways and going from being a scar to being a Mufasa, you know, it's like, it's not working. I mean, you know, which would you rather be? Would you rather be a decent supervisor or a manager who cultivates people that actually want to work for you and actually help you succeed or be stuck in an endless cycle of, well, I got a whole new batch of people that don't know what they're doing. And then when you get a whole new batch of people that don't know what they're doing, you're going to complain that they don't know what they're doing, but you don't want to do anything to teach them what to do. I mean, that shit just pisses me off, man. I I just, there's so many people out there in positions of power and positions of authority that don't need to be because they, they just can't do it. I mean, look, I know people that work in other businesses like all around and I hear stories about like, key carriers and managers and whatnot. Now, Alex, was I hard to work for? Not, Not at, all. at all, right? But but Not but these all. people that I witness or I hear about doing these things would never survive under me, ever. Because I would reach a point where I'd make them cry, male or female, it doesn't matter, and send them on their way. And I guess that's the one thing that I've gained through all my years probably isn't going to benefit me any here, you know, you know, from here on out because you absorb, if you're a decent person, okay, a decent person and you've worked in this business a very long time and you absorb all the best traits of your mentors, there's something that happens to you that makes you kind of like a rebel to authority because you, you've got a bullshit meter and you can spot it. And you are not afraid whatsoever to call somebody out on it. And a lot of these people that I know of, shit, I'd eat them for lunch, man. It'd be awful. And you know what? Connection, you as well. And Alex, even you as well. If you got cornered, you tear these people up. I mean, I know we talk about the effects, okay? So if you're a bad manager and you're one of the scars, what happens? Sales go down. You don't have your customer service scores go down because people quit on you and people have to wait in line. Things don't get restocked as quick as they should. People don't understand that being a scar or being a piss poor manager or just being a boss instead of a leader, how that affects your profitability. Yeah, yes, if I can jump in there. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, I, I, I think that you can extend that problem all the way up the chain mm-hmm. because they're uh, very often, the, the larger the retailer, this is definitely true, uh, you, you have head office, they look at uh, Excel spreadsheets centrally. Correct. They don't have a direct connection to the stores for the most part. And when they do have store visits, like we touched on earlier on, for some reason, the tradition over here and anywhere else that I know of is to roll out the red carpet and put on a pantomime for these feckin' store visits, mm-hmm. which I don't understand. They never get the full uh, they never get the full picture. It's it's all smoke and mirrors. And the last time that like someone that works in a corporate office, if they ever worked on a checkout, it will, you know, the last time that they spent more than an hour uh, doing something like that was probably 25 years ago. So there is this disconnect in communication between the armchair generals and corporate 
and what's going on in the stores. So when stores become toxic, they don't see the scars, they don't see the bufasas or anything mm-hmm. else, positive or negative. They 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 just see the the the, the ups and the downs on an Excel spreadsheet. And when they go and do an investigation, they get this bloody pantomime. And there is nobody better at pantomimes than scars. They put on a show like no one else. And so often that that that, that can be covered up. But that really it, the culture has to change. People will not want to work in retail because if you, I bet you, you're definitely in this long enough to to know this. Thing. I bet you there are stores that you worked in over the years where people there was a cohort of people there that had been there for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, st- staff, cashiers. That will not happen today. No, because. Back in the day when I was first starting off in retail, there was still a kind of camaraderie in in you 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 felt part of the store that you worked in, and it wasn't uncommon for people to spend the vast majority of their working life, even as an associate. You know that that's not going to happen these days because it is just it's not a favorable place to work. Um, I think it's been fairly exposed as a bullshit. Like there's no career in retail. You end up like that that Irish Connection idiot going around <laughs> the country fixing fixing stores for an opportunity that you don't fully understand because the retail Santa Claus is going to come down and give you a gift of something or other. You know. Um, What's going to have to happen, in my opinion, is that they they, they invert that structure. They, that they, that corporate needs to have a direct connection to the stores via a representative, uh, be it union or otherwise. They need to have that personable human connection as to why a store is performing the way it is, positive or negative. You know, that's my I, two cents. I, I agree with you, and and but the problem is, I don't think they ever will. I, I, no, I, I listen. I may as well be smoking weed here. This is not going to happen. <laughs> I, I like, like this. This is a pipe dream. But, I, but I, I, that's what needs to happen. I don't think it will. I think it'll all be fucking robots, and we'll all be working for Bezos probably. But I think if you want to get retail back to uh, what it could be, because like it's a wonderful thing to, to walk in. I think you mentioned before in Jesus's Craft Store, those things are the most well merchandised, best laid out places it could be. It's a nice experience to walk into it you know, and get good customer service and experience what a store is. And and that's just, it's just becoming more and more vanilla now. Everything is just mm-hmm. a corporate stamp. Every, every store looks exactly the same. There's no flair. Um, and it's probably not going to change. Uh, but, you know, they, that's, if that's the case, I'm not surprised that nobody wants to, to, to start working at retail. And when they do, they want out of the first available opportunity. Right. Well, to your point, Iron Maiden posted in the chat, toward the end of my retail career, I would straight up tell my associates who would complain about how retail really is. You're right. It's all fucked. Get another career. I'm not going to bullshit you. And tell you that it's going to get better. This is it, and you know, and that, and that's a big thing. And you know, connection. You you saw our our unemployment video or whatnot. And I think yep. retail could be so much better than what it is, but because money rules everything, I think what we're we're seeing right now, and and what we're witnessing in real time, and we may look at back at this, you know, twenty years from now, saying, "Wow, we knew it, but nobody else did." We're watching retail collapse because yeah. no one cares about all anybody cares about are the shelves stocked. Are we hitting our profit margins? And is our customer experience score good? That's all they're really worried about as far as the guys sitting in offices. 
they're not worried about the condition of their staffs. They're not worried about what they're paying their staffs. They're not worried about the abuse their staffs have to go through. And I do believe, and and I will, I want to throw this out there. So when we had our unemployment issue, I made the comment that uh, you knew newsflash, people aren't going to be running back to those jobs like everybody says they are. Well. There was a report that came out like the next day because Alex says we're like the Simpsons and we predict stuff. But anyway, there was a report that came out the next day. It said, guess what? They cut off unemployment and people still weren't applying for those jobs. So I think the challenge for corporations is they've got two things they can do. They can either A, move everything digital and take employees out of the equation, which is going to cause another problem in itself. Okay. Or B, they're going to automate and they're going to use robots and stuff like that. I mean, self-checkouts, all those kind of things. When I look at it in big picture, we realize sitting back, the retail retail's crashing right now. Retail is going through a fundamental change and it's not a good one. So when you sit back and look at it, how much of that change being negative change has to do with these kind of managers that have been employed? If you had, in a let's just say in a perfect utopia, you had every retailer in the world had a Mufasa running their store. It'd be totally different. People would work for less wages. People would, uh, everything would boom. It all, it all comes down to treatment right now. And, you know, retail is in a decline. And it, and it pains me to see all these people talking about, you know, well, this person's, this business is hiring and this business is hiring and this business is hiring. I mean, if I was like, just 100% Ebenezer Scrooge and didn't care about people. And all I was worried about is money. If I had a grocery store that that was mine, that I ran, and I realized I could get rid of every hourly cashier for a flat fee paying for 14 self-checkouts, from a business standpoint, I would do that. And that's why the management issue was so huge right now, because... You want good people working for you. And if you're a scar or a shitty manager that doesn't take accountability, you're complicit. Because guess what? If you run everybody off and these companies keep folding because they can't get the right people processes in place, those management jobs are going to go away too. And those managers are going to blame everybody else in the world. They're never going to look in the mirror and say, well, you know, Matt, what? Maybe if I did something a little different, it'd have been okay. Alex, you got anything you want to add real quick? Uh, Nothing really. I went over everything I wanted to go over tonight. Sweet. Um, as always, Irish Connection is great having you on. I really enjoy the perspective from, you know, across the pond, so to speak. And the sad part is, unfortunately, we realize it's very similar. But I do think that you guys have more protections over there than we have over here, to be honest with you. Uh, let me ask you something real quick before we go. What, like, mm-hmm. what is kind of like your time off like what? What? Like if you're a full time employee, how much like paid time off do you get? Oh, uh, typically it would be about four weeks per year. Really? Regardless yeah. of experience. So you go into a business full time and you get four weeks. If yeah, if you have a full time contract. Holy shit! Weeks. Do you know here a lot of retailers you go full time, you get nothing. After you're there for a year, you get a week. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I know that I have commented a lot on the similarities between um, you guys, your retail experience over there and here. 
Uh, but th- there are some differences too, and typically you guys don't come out the better of it. Uh, we, we are better protected here, legally speaking, even kind of from a, from an employee rights uh, perspective, um, and 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 like I think I touched on once or twice too with the culture as well. I think that there's a much more cutthroat culture in the states when it comes to how they treat entry level employees in general, but in particular in retail. So I've heard you mention a few times contract. So how, yeah. how does employment work there? Like, okay, to give you an idea how it works here. All right. So let's say you, you fill out an application, you go interview, they decide they're going to hire you and they say, this is how much you make, you know, and, and that's it. You're not really locked in anything. There's no guarantee how many hours you're going to get. There's no nothing. Is, is there a, some sort of guarantee there? There is now, but it's really low. It's 15 hours a week. Uh, we, we, we made zero-hour contracts illegal. Um, but, I mean, to be honest with you, 15 hours is just as bad. You can't pay rent with right. that. Uh, so, you know, um, because you, um, if you do work 15 hours, you can't get unemployment. So sometimes you're worse off. Um, so there, there are some protection there, but it's not a lot. It is one of the bigger problems, though, for... A lot of kind of casual workers, because the as you all know, like that, there's such seasonality to, to to retail that you can be your hours can fluctuate wildly, um, and it's not really a sustainable income for a lot of people. That's another reason why people aren't going for it anymore. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, we, you're better protected contractually speaking. It is um, you have probably more rights. Um, I know it varies from state to state over there as well, but in general, uh, you're, you're probably better protected. But in terms of the hours, I mean, 15 hours is nothing. No, it's you know, not. It's, you know, minimum wage, 15 hours. I don't care where you live. You can't pay your bills. Right. Now, if you do get a full-time job, is that contract? I mean, what is full-time considered there? Is it considered 40, 35, 30? 40. So 40. So if you, if you mm-hmm. sign up, if you get hired for a full-time job, you get a contract that says you get 40 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, so 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 you sign that contract so nobody can come in and say, hey, Irish Connection, payrolls shot this week, we're going to cut you down to 30. Correct. That's, that's right. You're legally entitled to that as an employee. So uh, there are a lot of, um, if you remember, I sent you uh, one or two things on, on my ex-employer. Right. Um, now that that's a particularly large retail chain in, in in Ireland, and they were heavily unionized in the in the eighties and the early nineties, and a lot of the a lot of that was because they want the workers wanted more uh, solid contracts, and they got them. Uh, it took a while, but they they ended up getting them. They've gone completely the other way now. They 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 were all zero hour contracts when when I was employed there, but those people that were teenagers when they signed those full-time ironclad contracts are still there. Oh, wow. <laughs> because it was actually, it was for, well, not, not obviously all still there, but it was quite beneficial. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad deal. Um, you know, in some ways it was damaging too, because it's not sustainable to do that. This is why we, that the us versus them, like kind of culture has to stop, you know, that like there needs to be some sort of work-life balance because when all corporate wants to do is to, uh, is to make little minions out of the workers that'll just jump every time that they need them and go away when they don't need them and not pay them anything. Um, the other, the flip side of that is when you end up on strike, you, 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 
you're, you you end up with these contracts that are not sustainable because, you know, they were very, very difficult people to manage because they were there for so long. They're pretty much, you can't fire them unless you catch them, you know, like setting fire to a building or right. something. And, and, um, and they were not productive. They were just lazy. They knew you couldn't do anything. Uh, and yet they got the majority of the hours. Uh, so payroll was always a challenge there. And the people that came in last, they got screwed first and screwed hard. So, so if you get a full time, so... Do they have like management salaries there? Like, for instance, we're going to pay you fifty grand a year, but we 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 can work you as much as we want to, or is it all contractually based? Okay, uh, that's a little more nuanced. Legally speaking, you have a contract that says you work forty hours a week, mm-hmm. and that con- if you're a manager on a salary that you don't necessarily clock in on an hourly basis. That means nothing. Gotcha. You will be working as much. You'll be working 60. I, I signed a contract for, for 40 hours. I was working 70, 80, sometimes. 90. Yeah, because once you hit uh, salary, that kind of like doesn't count. Yeah, they don't care. And, and actually, it's, it's in their interest sometimes to, to, to hire people. Uh, like like if, you, if you pay someone 20% more and get 40% more hours out of them, you know. Right. It's it's you know so there yes from a contractual point of view uh, you, you would be you are not obliged to work more than forty hours but good luck telling that to your DM right uh, because uh, but, but the reality is you as you well know there's tricks up their sleeves it's like okay that's great I tell you what uh, your next job is. Uh, you know, cleaning the roofs at midnight. I'm going to be doing that for the next six months. Uh, and you could do that for 40 hours a week. Uh, so, you know, th- there's ways and means. Th- there's, there's, you know, like what, what, what's actually, what, what that store, the kind of Irish Walmart that I used to work with, what they used to do is they, they would make you sign what is called a, a 32 county um, contract. So there's 32 counties in Ireland. Ireland is roughly the size of uh, probably South Carolina, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, so, if if they didn't like you, they moved you to the furthest store away. Right. It was in your contract. And they made you quit. Simple as that. So all of a sudden, overnight, you'd be told, right, you know, you're in. And they'll just pick the, the, the store, the, fur, the most inconvenient store away from you. And... It, it, it was it was more or less it was like the, what the mafia would do like you know the kiss it down. Wow. Basically, you, you you knew you were done. So like you you could either quit. Or you could put up with them moving you to various stores over the next coming months that more and more inconvenient every time, you know. Uh, so, like, there, there is a kind of mafioso kind of thing uh, attached to them as well. So contracts, what I'm saying in short, I suppose, contracts are not really worth the paper they're in. Got you. As far as benefits go, like, how mm-hmm. much do your benefits run? Like, say for a family of three, say husband, wife, and child, how much does that cost you? Mm-hmm. And is that like weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? Okay. How, how much does it cost to run a household? Well, just, just your, just your insurance, like your health insurance. Oh, okay. Uh, well, um, we have a, uh, a dual system here. So there's public health and private uh, healthcare system. Um, and both are screwed. Oh, if I can, if you may, if I could proportionalize it for you. Okay. Um, Somebody working minimum wage, all right? right? If they if they have a, a partner that stays at home and minds, uh, say, two kids, uh, you're you would have to work full time to pay probably just seventy percent off the rent. Things are pretty bad here when it comes to renting. 
So you, it's you're almost obliged to have a dual income, right? Uh, uh, so if you want any standard of living at all, you'd need to have some sort of a dual income. You can make buy on one. Uh, if your minimum wage, that's going to be really tough. That's when uh, there, there may be some government assistance programs that will kick in there because uh, people are just falling below the poverty line because of the, 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 the low wage. The minimum wage here is uh, roughly speaking 10 euros an hour. That equates to about $12 an hour, maybe a little less. But I mean, the reality is like, it, it, do you, do you it, know what our minimum wage here is? Uh, I think is it Florida's the worst? Is not like seven dollars? Seven twenty-five. Yeah, seven twenty-five. You know, it, it's my. You know, the things I've I've seen as far as like workers' contracts and whatnot. Yeah, if you're salaried, you get screwed anywhere in the world. I don't think there's anywhere in 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 the globe that prevents that. Yeah. But the fact that you can be a contractually obligated for a forty-hour a week person. And be locked into that and be a good employee that does not get this phone call one day all of a sudden I'm cutting you down to thirty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that 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 is also very rare now. I mean, uh, it, th- th- those are kind of the older contracts. I mean, the reality is mo- most people are on shitty contracts in, in retail, right? Uh, at least on entry level. Um, um, I suppose the one thing I haven't, I've actually tried to do this research myself like i can't really nail it down yet i presume most of you have heard of the big mac index yes how much a, a whopper cost uh, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. Not a big it's, mac it's, it's, excuse quite, me. it's yeah it's, it's quite good it's it's a very rule of thumb i like it uh, I, I i mean if you were to do some analysis on the say the average uh retail employee working let's say 20 or 40 hours a week when you started at age 18 what would they be able to afford versus the same situation today because i remember when i first started working retail i was house sharing as you do so i had like a box room in a, in a, in a house or shared with my friends uh, one week's wages covered uh uh covered my rent wow that, that's not the case that's not the case no now. it's not you know uh and so i just think that if you're trying to proportionalize it like working retail sucks more today because of that kind of thing, because in proportion, we get we get tied up with like, oh, the minimum wage here, there, and everywhere. It, you, the, 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 the important thing is to kind of proportionize it. How much groceries could you buy on, uh, you know, from a minimum wage paycheck back in the day versus 10 years ago versus you're, five years ago versus now? It's going You're less. 100% it, correct. It, 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 um, now, your grocery stores there or whatnot, have you mm-hmm. ever experienced a thing where people would give like the baggers tips for taking groceries to their car? We don't have baggers in general. Oh, wow. Uh, and no, um, uh, no, we don't have baggers. It's just not a thing here. People bag their own things or, or, or the cashier on, on the actual uh, checkout would, would, would help but, out. But people, in, in general, people take out their own stuff. Correct. Oh, wow. See, yeah. when I was 18 years old, my first job was working in a grocery store and I was a bag guy. Mm-hmm. And what happened was back then, I mean, that was 1988 um, you bag groceries, you put them on a cart, you took them out to the people's vehicle, you loaded them into the people's vehicle. And most times they would give you some sort of monetary tip for helping them out. Well, that's nice. I've never had a tip in retail, ever. but, <laughs> so. but they stopped that about 25 years ago, 25 years ago, they decided no more tips. And because right. honestly, I remember there were days I'd work an eight hour shift 
and you'd get tips and like change. You'd get like 50 cents, a quarter. Somebody mm. might throw you a dollar. Somebody might throw you a five spot or whatnot. But there were literally nights that I got off work that I made like almost $100 just taking people's groceries out of their car. It's not a bad, that's, yeah. I, I'd probably do that too. Yeah, exactly. All right. So everybody, we are sitting at one forty-one, and I know Irish Connection it is way past your bedtime. What time is it there right now? <laughs> it's 20 to three in the morning and I'm working in. Holy hours, shit, so. <laughs> dude. Thank you so much oh for being God. on. Um, he, oh shit. No, four hours. Oh, no. Here's something I want to do. So I'll send you an email. I want to compare like wages and stuff between the Euro and like benefits and stuff. Uh, it'll be a ways yeah. off. We'll say like in a month or so, we'll, we'll do an episode where we kind of compare and see what we're doing on both ends of the pond. If you're okay with that. Yeah. 100%. Cool. All right. So everybody, thank you so much for watching. It's always great having him on. Uh, I love getting his perspective from across the pond because it is different. Um, as some of you have heard this evening, I know we kind of went on a tangent because there's things that I haven't asked him that I, I wanted to know. So you guys get guys get to suffer through that. So Alex, you got anything real quick? Oh, no, I'm good. Irish can. Thank yeah, you. Ir Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Connection. Good speaking. Irish, with you. you got anything real quick? No, I have no shameless plug. All right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> a little smack there at Alex. All right, everybody, you have a great night and we will see you next time.